So it it used to be 60,000 a unit, and now it's gone up to about 120. And uh, the nine unit actually is in New Brunswick. So I've started to... Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm Sarah Larby. You are listening to Where Should I Invest? Great news. I got my Instagram back. Finally, I was not going to start a new one and I got it back. I ended up having to pay a company to get it back for me and uh, they were local. Again, you know, it's unfortunate that Instagram specifically didn't reply and there was no customer care with them when I filled out all those forms, but I got it back. I am back on Instagram. And I will say a special shout out to Imran, who's one of my listeners of the podcast and an investor. And he actually works at Meta and uh, reached out to me to see if he could help. By then I already had my Instagram account back a couple of days uh, later, but it was uh, really nice of you, Imran. So I really appreciate you reaching out to me and offering your help. On that note, we've got a great show today with Victoria. Victoria Clooney is a real estate investor, has built her portfolio, bought and sold over 15 properties, currently owns 14 doors, nine with JVs as the managing partner, and she's investing. So she lives in Ottawa and she's investing in Nova Scotia. So we talk all about that today. It is definitely a great, great informative show, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Before we do that, though, let's bring in Dahlia from Streetwise Mortgages on what is new and exciting. Dahlia, what is today's tip of the week? Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. We all know by now that the rate environment is shifting and that interest rates will continue to rise as the Bank of Canada aims to control the higher-than-expected inflation. By the end of 2022, the Bank of Canada is expected to increase the overnight rate to get to a 2% target, which really translates to another 1% rate increase from the time of this recording by the end of 2022. This will have, of course, an impact on all variable rate mortgages, lines of credits, and unsecured loans. Also, more increases are expected in 2023. The pace at which this will be implemented depends on how inflation plays out and the impact on the economy. In this episode, I would like to equip you with various strategies to plan for the rate environment ahead and to help you make an informed decision. The first one is whether or not you should lock into a fixed rate. Right now, the gap between a variable and a fixed rate is about 150 to 170 points for residential mortgages, meaning if you were to choose between a variable and a fixed rate today, you will pay a high premium to lock in. In the past, this premium used to be a lot smaller. So as we stand, variable rate has a good runway to rise to where the fixed rates are currently. Further, choosing a fixed rate right now presents a risk of locking at the peak. Rate increases are expected to ease up once the Bank of Canada gets a handle on inflation, which is projected to be anywhere from 24 to 36 months. For real estate investors in particular, variable rates offer flexibility for equity takeouts as investors rely on equity to grow their portfolios. So if you choose to stay with a variable rate, I would suggest that you stress test your portfolio. 
we have developed a complementary calculator to help you do so and to assess the impact of rising rates on your cash flow and on your monthly budget. There are several ways to address any impact by creating capacity in your budget. This includes the following. One, extending amortization on select loans, which will help you lower your monthly payment in some cases. Two, being proactive about paying down any expensive debts that you may have with cheaper money. And three, converting portions of some of your mortgages to an interest-only interest loan if needed, which again would reduce the monthly payment on the loan. You also need to be aware that as rates rise, mortgage qualification will get tighter and tighter as qualification is tied to interest rates under the stress test rules. And where, where we are right now, uh, we are approaching a point where the new rates will impact mortgage qualification as the banks will use the higher of the rate plus 2% or the Bank of Canada qualifying rate at 5.24. So I suggest that if you have equity in properties, uh, is to basically take the time to set up lines of credits and set up capital um, on your properties while the values are still holding up and while qualification still works. If you're planning on purchasing, it is best to be proactive about planning your finances and utilize any debt management or income generating strategies with your mortgage broker to keep your borrowing power at its best. And lastly, there is an expectation that values may soften in some markets, and I strongly recommend that you keep the appraisal condition in your offer to protect yourself against any value surprises. If you would like to get a copy of our rate scenarios calculator or explore options for how to hedge against the upcoming rate increases, our team at Streetwise Mortgages would be happy to assist. Email us at info at streetwisemortgages.com and cheers to your success. Awesome. Dahlia, thank you so much. Very insightful as usual. And guys, reach out to Dahlia and her team at Streetwise Mortgages if you have any financing questions. Also, I do want to mention by the time that you listen to this, I don't know if there's going to be any tickets left, but Ken Lee and myself, we have started acquiring in Hamilton, in Welland. I think we bought like seven or eight deals in the past, I want to say month and a half, two months. And some of them are really cool. I mean, they're all really cool. But what we're going to do is we're going to show you the next phase of the Burr strategy. And the next phase of the birth strategy is converting commercial to residential, taking commercial space and converting it into livable residential space. And I think that's the future of where the birth strategy is going. We actually just bought a 15,000 square foot space. It's completely empty and it's commercial, no tenants, which is awesome. We are actually going to be converting that into 22 residential units. It is going to be a really fun project. Um, we've brought in an investor as well to join. And uh, one of the things that we're actually going to be doing is we're doing a master class on more complex conversions for the birth strategy, as well as how to convert commercial space into residential. And so that is going to be May 18th. It's live in person in Hamilton and uh, we are limiting it to only 20 people. If you are interested, there's a few spots left. You can send me an email or you can send me a message on Instagram. My email is sarah at sarahlarby.com. 
Um, and it's going to be from 9.30 a.m. to about 3 p.m. We're going to go see some really cool properties. I'm going to take you guys through that 15,000 square foot commercial space as well. And maybe this could be, you know, your next strategy as well. That next option to really make cash flow and create some really good upside using the birth strategy and doing something different that not everybody else is doing and you're not competing with everybody and their brother. So it's about creating and pivoting and creating a space that works for you. That's different than everybody else. And so that's the strategy that I've been starting to do quite a bit of. And you guys may know Ken Beckendam from Legal Second Suites. He has done many conversions and is a BCIN designer. And, uh, and so I've partnered with him recently as well as Lee Polak from Wise Construction. And together we're, we're really just scaling and bringing opportunities to you guys to partner with us if you're interested. There's lots of things that we also bought that were conversions that we're actually taking a single family and we're actually converting into four units. So if you're interested in any of that, let us know. Or if you're interested in the commercial class on how to convert commercial to residential, send me an email on that as well. On that note, let's bring in today's guest, Victoria Clooney. Victoria, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you, Sarah. I'm great. Thank you. How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm actually at the cottage today. We, uh, we actually came up, not for necessarily a good thing, but we had a, a plumbing issue and you had to fix some holes in the walls and it just made it so that it was, you know, we, we combined it with, uh, with a day trip up here a couple days. And, uh, but other than that, you know, let's, uh, let's talk about you and, uh, and, and what you've been up to. And for the listeners, maybe you could just give us a little bit of background on uh, who you are. Okay. I say it's like an onion. There's many layers. So I'll try to give you like the, the Coles note version. Um, I am a military brat, I would say to start with. So um, I, my father was in the military, so I grew up traveling. We lived in Germany for a while. My mother is uh, British. So we had a lot of family in Europe. And then of course I joined the military very young age, like right uh, 10 days after my 18th birthday. And uh, from there I was posted to different locations. And now finally, 20 years later, so I have 20 years, and we have settled down in Ottawa, where I um, have probably another, I don't know, five plus years to go before I retire. But now I'm starting to change hats into more of an investor than, uh, you know, service member. So I think that's like the best nutshell I can give. <laughs> of course, there's uh, branches everywhere. Amazing. Well, thank you for your service. Oh, <laughs> it must have been cool to be able to see all the different areas that you lived in and just like be part of the different cultures. And did you get to go anywhere really awesome that you loved? Yeah. So I, I had an amazing stint in the US, which actually kind of ties into my real estate venture. But uh, I was posted to the US. And so part of my job, I worked for NATO. And so I set up conferences like all over the world. And every couple of months I was in, uh, I did Greece and Italy. Bulgaria was another place you wouldn't normally travel to, but uh, yeah, had some pretty cool opportunities that way. Very cool. So how did you get started in real estate investing and what is, you know, uh, your strategy today? Um, I started, again, it was a lot to do with the military. So when I joined at 18, uh, two years, I joined in Ontario. I'm actually born in North Bay and then was uh, 
grew up in southern Ontario. And so when I joined, I was actually posted to Nova Scotia. And so my first purchase of property was when I was 20 years old and it was a, a new build. And so I got in that way. About a year later, I sold that property for profit and then I went into another new construction, but this time it was like you had to design everything type construction. And I often like look back and think there's a couple of homes in Nova Scotia that uh, like a 20 year old designed and I wish I had like, <laughs> my style now. So I'm sorry to any of the homeowners that are living there. You know, I learned so much in the process of um, you were given, say, an allowance of like $10,000 and you had to go out and find um, the design for the kitchen and, you know, how much you were going to spend on the windows. And so I really got a good lesson in like home buying and then the construction part of it. From there, I again left that property, sold it, moved to another property. And after I bought that a couple of months later, I was found out that I was being posted to the States. And so when you move to the US for the military, it's not recommended to purchase. And so you're given an allowance. So I started to panic a little bit because now I have this property and this was back in 2006, I believe it was. And so back then the interest rates were high. I would have lost quite a bit of money selling it within like a couple of months of buying it. And so somehow I decided to rent it and I like started the long distance approach. When I moved to the US, I just had some friends that were looking after it. We found a nice couple that stayed in it and uh, we were managing it that way. It was just like a bunch of us pulled together and I have emails. I found like old emails of my friends like talking about the property and we're kids just trying to like do this, no research. And then I was posted back from the US and I just didn't have the heart to ask the family to leave. They had a newborn. It was too big for me anyways. And so I decided to buy a condo. I'd saved up enough money. So that's sort of where it all started. It wasn't intentional, but it was just a, an opportunity. From the condo, I sold that and moved into a bigger house. So I just kept upgrading my, my residential home. When my husband and I got together, he had a condo in BC, so I convinced him to hold on to that condo, rent it, so when we moved in together. But there came a point that I stopped enjoying being a landlord. I don't even know if I actually really enjoyed it ever. I felt like it was more of a, like a monkey on my back. It was something that I didn't really know how to manage. I was just being more reactive than proactive. I would get phone calls about, uh, I think one time a washing machine leaked. Again, I'm a kid and I'm going over and it's like, to me, they were like grown men calling me to fix this. <laughs> so it really felt um, cumbersome and I decided I didn't want to do it anymore. And so both my husband and I sold our rental properties, but then we got the check. And then we like, <laughs> we realized, you know, this is something pretty good. Like this is really, we didn't do too much over that 10 year period and the equity that we got back from both of those properties. That's when we like changed our mindset and decided to jump back in. And so, yeah, from there, we just like started buying as much as we could. That's amazing. That's an amazing story. And then when you think about all the calls, like, you know, even my, my plumbing issues, like I had like 
three properties in the last week, two with big plumbing issues, like they're pretty significant. And then one had a furnace that once. So, but when you look at like the equity that you create over time by holding on to it, the mortgage pay down, you know, the cash flow, if you've got the cash flow, hopefully you do. And you realize that like those headaches are, are small in comparison to the opportunity that you, you know, have to change your life. And so that's cool. You, you know, you then decided to jump back in. And so are you, so what is your strategy today? Like let's fast forward to today. What does that look like? So today it is now I have transitioned from being a landlord where I was doing all of the work. I was managing everything myself to investor. So that's how I kind of describe it now. I've gone from like landlord to actual investor. And it. I was forced into it again by the military, getting a posting to Ottawa from Nova Scotia, where I was living in Nova Scotia. I was so comfortable with the area. My properties were all within like an hour and a half radius. And I just like Anytime I thought about paying for a property manager and taking away some of that cash flow just made me, it was such a deterrent to me. So when I was posted to Ottawa, I decided that I wanted to obviously keep my rental. I was scaling my portfolio, but it forced me to start leaning on a team. And so I hired property managers. I uh, really started to use my realtors um, and then started doing everything virtually. And so when I came to Ottawa, I thought I would start investing in the market here, but people back home kept sending me properties and deals kept coming up. And of course I was still looking at the market. And so that's when I learned like how easy it was that I can literally do a, a, a virtual viewing in the comforts of my home, takes me half an hour and then everybody else does the rest of the work. And so I just kind of factor in property management now when I'm looking at, at rental properties and but yet I don't do any of the work. And so I freed up a ton of time to be able to I scale infinitely because when you're managing it yourself, you're really restricted to the amount of time that you have. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, I just want to take a quick moment here and pause the podcast to introduce you to one of my favorite contractors, John from Blackjack Contracting Inc. And he has been serving the Niagara, Hamilton and Brantford areas for the past three years and has become the area's legal basement suite renovation specialist. He works with many investors that I know and some newer investors, some more experienced investors, and he converts single family homes into multiple units, as well as my favorite strategy, the Burr strategy. So he's well-versed in those as well to make sure that we can achieve the maximum value of the property and the maximum ARV. He has also completed over 100 units from Brantford to Niagara Falls, and everywhere in between as well. They do everything from permitting to the design to the final cleaning before listing our rentals for rent or for sale. And he's also a fully licensed electrical contractor. He's certified with ESA and he will take jobs of all sizes. So no job is too big. He's done a complete guts really from the ground up. So super impressed with his work and what he's been doing for fellow investors that I know as well. So if you wanted to reach out, his website is blackjack contractinginc.ca and you can ask him whatever questions you have. You can also reach out to him Instagram, which is at Blackjack Contracting Inc. And like he says, he knows that investing feels like the biggest gamble of our lives. So when you have Blackjack on your side, the house always wins. So guys, 100%, I recommend Blackjack Contracting. I will say that 
finding the right contractor is sometimes a hassle and getting a good one that works with investors that understands the numbers is going to be critical in our success, especially when doing the Burr strategy. And now back to the show. Yeah. So now you have more time, maybe a little bit less cash flow, but a lot more time and probably in the same equity at the end of the day that gets created with the mortgage pay down and, and uh, the appreciation and, you know, and that's a great way because there's probably somebody listening to this saying, I don't want to be getting those calls for the plumbing or the dryer issue or the washer issue. You know, what can I do to make it feel like it is, you know, as passive again, real estate's never fully, fully passive, but as passive as possible. So maybe, you know, share some insights on maybe who you really want to have on your team and maybe some things and processes that you've, you've established along the way to be able to take a step back. Awesome. I really found on my property manager has been instrumental and he's almost like, he doesn't even know it, but he's become a mentor of mine. I mean, he invests as well, but he became very involved for me. And so he was really representing. So when I was finding properties that my realtor would bring in and my realtors were amazing as well, because I trusted their judgment that they weren't just there to sell a property to me, that they were actually identifying issues, being upfront. And I felt like they were looking out for me, but my property manager would actually go with them. And so he would advise me on like what he thought with the rent, how much I could ask. So when I'm looking at um, the you know, market value for rent, then I've got somebody who has authority in that, somebody who's going to be looking at it. He has brought me off market properties. He's just been like key to me. So I would, I guess I would say property manager, if you can get one that's like goes above and beyond, but then realtor, of course, is uh, those are your eyes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the property manager piece is important because, you know, and some realtors are excellent and some realtors, I feel sometimes want to just sell you the deal and, and they look at it as like a transaction rather than a relationship with, with investors. It should always be about the relationship because likely that investor will buy over and over and over a few give them the right insight. But sometimes the realtors will, again, not everybody, you know, we have some great ones. It sounds like you as well, but will increase the rents that they estimate or, you know, the after repair value, if you're doing some renos or downplay the cost of the renos. But I like the property manager idea as having a second pair of eyes or maybe a primary set of eyes, because they're going to be objective because they're going to have to find the tenants. They're going to have to find that price point. So if they're saying that they're going to be at a certain price point and you're hiring them to do the management piece, then I think they have a good pulse on that and likely already a portfolio of other rental properties that they can very easily compare to. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm really big on the communication piece and making those connections. And I've become a little bit more cutthroat, so to speak, with my relationships because it's, so valuable to make sure that you have somebody that's going to be upfront with you. And I, I let them know right off the bat that that is something that I'm looking for. I don't want you to sugarcoat it. I want to know if it's good or bad, and then we'll assess if we're going to move forward with it. But if you paint everything like it's great, then, you know, we're not going to continue that relationship and, and I'll move on because it's so much more important now that I am not there to have somebody that's going to look out for me. And I'll keep yeah. bringing business. Like I'll bring as much business as possible. If you, if you walk away or you advise me against a property, then you know that's going to help me come back to you for others. 
I mean, that, that's huge, right? Even just the realtors that are like, this is overpriced. Like, don't buy it. I wouldn't buy it. Like you have more, it builds more trust over time. Cause you're like, okay, if they're talking us out of these properties, then when they're actually bringing you something and they're like, this is good, you are so much more inclined to believe them and to say, okay, that is good. Because I know that the last five, they're like, nope, nope, nope. It's got this problem or it's too overpriced. And it, it builds that credibility and trust so much more. Oh, absolutely. And so it, um, I, I'm usually pretty upfront with them now just to say all of that. And so it, uh, it's been really helpful. And also if you're finding, because I, in Ottawa, I didn't have any realtors that I was connected to. And so a lot of the time I was just going directly to the, the listing agent and to see if there was a connection there. And, um, you know, fortunately I found one now that I've, I've been really happy with who's also, I can just tell looks out for my best interests and understands that investor mindset. Cause I think that that's so important when you're dealing with realtors is explaining to them that it's, there's no emotion in this deal. And so I'm not going to go over what my, my price is. Like if I set that price, then that's it. And I'll walk away. And so don't try to sell me something and just understand that I'm going to put an offer in based on my numbers. Yeah, absolutely. So, so now you've got a portfolio, obviously remote and, and you're living in Ottawa and you've got the property managers and you've got the team in place, you know, how many hours a month are you dedicated to your business? And like, where are you like, which, like, what is, happening in each hour? Like, is it more like overseeing management paperwork? Is it acquisition time? Like, where is your time going and how much is it? Good question. Okay. So pre January 1st, it was probably way too much. And I was spending, like, I was just going crazy. So I closed on two properties in December. I had probably four or five, you know, in those couple of months of uh, commercial properties and multifamilies that I was doing due diligence for. And so I started out like I'd start with a morning routine. My morning routine is pretty on point. And often right before like I do my workout, that's when I'm reviewing all the listings that pop up. I'm making notes. And then I kind of push that out to the realtors to, you know, get me the numbers for. And then once I get the numbers, maybe around lunchtime, I'm going to be starting to crunch numbers. And then we're booking viewings. And of course, if we get them under contract, then I'm going full mode to make sure that, uh, you know, I'm hitting all my marks for the conditions. Um, I don't know, like time wise, but I feel like it was a lot because, it, and this isn't my full time. So I'm a full-time student. I'm obtaining my master's right now of psychology. And so while that affords me a lot of flexibility and I'm really grateful to be able to uh, pick and choose my own times. So I don't have to show up for like that nine to five. Then it creeps into the you know boundaries of family time and evening. And so when I found that I was starting to have a lot of conflict with that, I just like made those that new year's resolution that I was going to start to outsource and then make it um, more manageable because this is something that I want to grow and, and, you know, continue with. And so I actually, this morning was uh, interviewing virtual assistants. So I have one right now that's been helping me and now I'm like bringing on another one that could be more uh, full time and start doing things that, I don't find passionate, <laughs> like I don't get the passion in, um, and then to help me. So I don't know. I think like I was probably easily putting in 
four or five hours a day between talking to investors, um, even like social media, staying connected, because that's been a, a big part of my growth is, is who I'm connecting with. And so that, of course, those conversations take time and, and everybody that you're communicating with. And yeah, it's a lot of phone calls. It sounds like it's a lot of like acquisition type of activities, right? And so you're, you're analyzing, you're making the phone calls, you're getting stuff under contract. After that, when you've closed, let's just say you've closed on the property and your property manager is managing it, right? Because obviously there's always going to be more, a more learning, more networking, more, especially in a market like this that we were in today where there's a shortage of inventory like we've never seen before. Pretty much, I think right now, like I want to say North America wide, definitely in, in Canada and, and everybody, you know, wants to buy something and all of a sudden the, the prices are, you know, a little bit out of whack. But but after you do the acquisition piece, because I mean, obviously four to five hours a day, you know, you're not just maybe looking for like one house, you're likely, you know, buying a few more at a time. Uh, what does that look like? So like if someone's like, I don't want to be that I don't have four to five hours to spend. Like realistically though, other than what you're doing to, to really grow the portfolio. So you're just interested in like, you know, maybe buying one or two from a, you know, a management standpoint, like maybe give us some insight on that if you don't mind. Oh, absolutely. That one's easy. Cause that's like maybe an hour a month, really. I mean, it's, it's a matter of uh, if your property manager has a question and so I can answer those questions or, um, you know, there's a couple of properties that we would still pay the water bill for, or, you know, we want to make sure our books are up to date. So then we would do that or if we're paying for any kind of quotes uh, that came in. But yeah, that's like hands off. But the big thing for me right now as I'm scaling is the acquisition piece of it. But uh, certainly now that I have property managers and they are, are running the show and they just keep me updated, it's, uh, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. So it's a lot in, on the front end and then a little bit less on the back end once you've, you've uh, closed on that property, I would say, I'm guessing yeah. like after a couple of weeks, because there's always a few things to do, right? For the first couple of weeks of just getting everything organized. So just to get an idea, like, like how many, you know, properties are you, are you looking to acquire? Let's just say, you know, your, your goal for 2022, like, what does that look like with, the, you know, the four to five hours that you're spending plus your assistance? I mean, it, it sounds like yeah. a lot. <laughs> It is, I know. And it, I mean, it's only been a month of, and it's a lot of it is putting systems in place that were not already there. So it's transferring everything that I used to do and then being able to multiply it so that we can still continue to, to purchase properties. But um, yeah, it like for growth wise, I think about this a lot and I, you know, I wish I had like an exact number, what I envision, like right now today, I'm expecting to hear, I've been in negotiations for a, a nine unit. And so last year, bringing on a, a nine, 10 unit would have been just like above and beyond what I would have expected. And so now 2022, and the more that I learn it, like it's very manageable. And so, you know, I could do a nine unit. I have a 12 unit that I'm in negotiations with as well. And so I would love growth wise. I would be happy at 25. I think like if I can give myself a realistic one, but then for future, I mean, I would love to be past hundreds. I want to be at a point where I have a team and it's a well-oiled machine that just like continues to uh, go through all the steps and where I can just focus on the, the stuff that I love and just to be able to go endless, really. 
Very cool. So when you say the stuff that you love, the stuff that you're passionate about, like what, what parts of real estate is that? I love the networking. It's something that I didn't realize. I didn't even know about it, to be honest, until I moved to Ottawa. I was in such a bubble in Nova Scotia and like really had no idea. Anybody that I was friends with didn't have properties. And so I've always felt like a little bit of an anomaly, but I wasn't learning or, or developing that way. And then moving to Ottawa and, you know, joining meetups and starting an Instagram account. And like, it just kind of snowballed from there, but I love that part of it. And I love the uh, mindset and the growth. And so the management side, a lot of that comes from the military where I'm able to uh, lead a team and, and I do enjoy that part of it. And so having that, you know, that one goal that we can all focus on and I can just focus on motivating others and to be able to rally the team and make those tough decisions. So that's awesome. So, you, you know, you, you were mentioning earlier that your husband, you, you know, sold the properties and he had one of his own, like, is he involved in the business as well? Or is this something that you're kind of overseeing in the majority of, uh, of the tasks around it? He's uh, yes. So when he, he's in and out. So when we first got together and then he started to rent out his condo, he was amazing. He did everything, but he's very risk averse. And so then when we started to scale, when we decided to get back into it, and there was a property that we purchased that uh, was pretty scary. It's got water damage. The basement was just a nightmare. It did not seem to him like a good buy, but he trusted me. And so we did it. And it's been like one of our best performing properties. And so we kind of like moved through this space where I didn't want to have to convince him to purchase properties anymore. I knew which direction I wanted to go and I knew that I had his support, but the more I would tell him about the property, the more apprehensive he would get. And so he just kind of put his hands up and said, okay, honey, you do it. Like I've got, I support you now that we are scaling and now that he's seen the returns and he's seen you know how it works full circle he's like full on board he's doing a lot of the accounting for us and so he like over christmas dove into quickbooks and learned like all the accounting side of things so we we're starting to navigate his role in the business and then my role and so i know he'll do a lot of like the background stuff he's not a social media guy but uh yeah, he's been really valuable and such a big support. So that's, that's, I mean, that's key, right. Is to find like the items that like, or the tasks that like you're good at, he's good at trying to make it, you know, work. And it's, it's totally okay. If you're, if you're listening and you've got a spouse that is not interested, but they support you, that's all, I mean, really that's awesome too. And then you just, you know, like do what you got to do and, and keep progressing, but it is great to see the full circle and, and also you guys figuring out which, you know, which tasks work for, for who, and then hiring out. It sounds like you've got some assistance now hiring out the other items. So uh, let's talk about Nova Scotia and, and property prices, like just to get an idea, right? Like if, if people haven't looked at Nova Scotia yet, like you're talking about a nine unit, like what is an average price of a nine unit or maybe like a cost per unit or, you know, what that looks like when you're looking at it right now. So it, it used to be 60,000 a unit, and now it's gone up to about 120. And uh, the nine unit actually is in New Brunswick. So I've started to even look outside of Nova Scotia because it's starting to get crazy as well. And right. so 
with the long distance investing, this is what I've learned that honestly, I can create this format anywhere, you know, and so it's given me a lot more confidence to go into new areas and the things that I'm learning about New Brunswick with the uh, tenant laws are um, pretty favorable for landlords compared to Ontario and Nova Scotia, where that cap is still in place. But um, with Nova Scotia, so there's pockets. Halifax, which is like the central area, is starting to be comparable to Ottawa for the prices. And so I've stopped even looking at Halifax because I don't want to get into bidding wars. I don't want to go above and beyond what like where my numbers fit. Luckily, I got in at the ground level and I do have some properties in Halifax, which have appreciated beautifully. But another area that I'm looking at um, is the Annapolis Valley. So I feel comfortable there because that's where I used to live. I was there for about two years. And so I really got to know the people and the locations. It's more affordable by far. And there's a, a housing crisis. And so there's a really big need for housing. There's no shortage of tenants. Nova Scotia, just the whole province alone has, uh, I think the last stat I saw was like 1% vacancy. So there's definitely opportunities. Truro is another area that uh, people are starting to flock to. And of course that has pockets, not as high rent. So, you know, it's, it's being able to identify, are you looking more for the cash flow or the appreciation? Because if it's right. cash flow, go on the outskirts. But if it's appreciation that you want, then that's going to be more central. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Are you a real estate investor or entrepreneur looking to get out there and network with some awesome people? Then the Have Your Cake and Eat It Too is a retreat you won't want to miss. Treat yourself to a three-day retreat focused on your health, wealth, and time for yourself on the site of the new luxury Inspire Beach Resort. This retreat will include live bands, great speakers, yummy food, delicious drinks, fun activities, and lots of time for networking. For more information and to get your ticket, visit www.saralarby.com. And now back to the show. Do you mind if I ask, like from a cash flow standpoint, I mean, like what you have on, on some of your properties, maybe just one property, like, like I mean, obviously cash flow will differ based on, on location, on property, on province, but like on average, you know, if, if you're buying these at 60 to, I don't know, let's call it 60 to 80K, maybe a unit, uh, you know, what is the typical average one, two and three bedroom rent? And then what kind of cash flow can somebody, you know, potentially find there? Yeah, it's um, so I'll, I'll, I'll use the valley, for example. So the valley, I have a duplex in the valley, which is cash flowing about $850, $900 a month. And that's with a pretty high interest rate, because I started to use credit union now for the um, for my financing. But uh, then I have another property, which is a single family home, which uh, I will intend to convert um, to a, you know, secondary dwelling unit in the future, but uh, the tenant there is great. And so, you know, I'm very happy to keep them, but that's also cash flowing again, 900 to a thousand dollars. That's a single family, non-converted, non-unit, just an actual house as an example. Yeah. yeah. And I actually am, uh, I bought that one two years ago. So I bought that one for $150 or $150, 150,000. Um, put in about 40,000 to redo the basement, um, the fence, like just some upgrades for that one. 
And then now I rent it for $1,600 a month. And then uh, two years later, we're refinancing it. And uh, the bank just got a hold of me yesterday, actually. So it's been appraised now for $250,000. That's amazing. I mean, you know, even then, you, like it's not Ontario appreciation rates because that's just nuts. But like you still saw some lift over the years with a mortgage pay down and some really good cash flow, like in comparison, right? And so like, are these deals still out there for somebody that's starting today? Yeah, I mean, the uh, duplex that I just purchased at Christmas. So I, I purchased a triplex and a duplex. The triplex we got for $275,000. It's going to cost uh, about $10,000 per unit to upgrade. And then the electrical that we're uh, switching out. So I'm anticipating about forty fifty thousand $50,000 that we're going to be putting into that. But um, we're expecting that we can get $500 uh, room for that triplex. It's across the street from the college, which is a NSCC, a popular college. And so it's, I mean, it's cash flowing beautifully even just right now. So um, yeah, there's still definitely there. The duplex I just got as well. Uh, that one was under 300,000. And so the upper unit is 1600 and the bottom is 11. So they're definitely out there. But, you know, that being said, there was one that was 250 duplex that had 25 offers on it and I'm waiting to find out like <laughs> for and so it's really just finding those diamonds in the rough um, trying to think even the one in Halifax I have that does not cash flow very well but it's appreciated like crazy so that's about doubled in value um, so it's all just depending on like what somebody's strategy is when people ask me about Nova Scotia I like a mix, but I definitely go for the cash flow because that's going to, you know, that's putting money in my pocket every month. And, and the appreciation is always gravy for me. Yeah. I mean, it, it really creates the income that you need to be able to live, you know, on your terms, right. And not have to trade in your time at some point. And so, you know, I, I, I always think somebody needs to have you know, a, an appreciation as well as a cash flow play, whether that's in the same market or it's in two different markets and one's going to bring you one type of thing. I mean, you don't want to be cash flow negative necessarily, but you could be like a little bit more cash flow neutral or, or, you know, some cash flow. And then you've got another area that you're investing in or another strategy that you're investing to, to, to bring in that cash flow. I think everybody needs to have two. Uh, or, you know, if, if you are in the right market and you can do some burrs, likely you could do, you know, both at the same time, but you do not want to say, I'm just going to focus on cash flow, or I'm just going to focus on, focus on appreciation. Cause I think ultimately you'll do yourself a disservice over time. hundred percent. And just to have, like, I mean, they say about investing, right? Diversify. And so diversify your real estate portfolio. And then that way you're not relying too much on on one side of the market. And so if there is a shift, obviously, like we've seen, then uh, you would be able to weather whatever storm comes. Yeah, for sure. So are there many properties that you buy that you still haven't seen to this day? Yeah, I mean, the last, I mean, the last two that I bought last month have not seen. The, um, the one in New Brunswick right now that I'm waiting on, have not seen, do not know the area. I have no team there. And so it, uh, this is going to be an interesting one to like really will help me with that uh, confidence piece that I can go into any market now. And I've already lined up a potential property manager. Uh, I've met people in the area. So I've you know started to do that kind of 
investigation, but it's hard. It's not easy not seeing the properties when you're very hands-on and I'm not, not controlling, but I certainly like to take responsibility for what I'm purchasing. And I like seeing things so that I can make the proper decisions. And it's, it's hard to rely on people um, to make those decisions for you or to advise you and trust that they are advising you on everything. For sure. I mean, you really have to have good, good people that are local out that way. I mean, I've bought, I've bought sight unseen before. I mean, at some point I went to see them, but I, I don't think it's where it was five years ago when you're like, oh my God, you bought something sight unseen. I think it's a, maybe more common now as, as you know, technology is getting better. And like, ultimately, I think the more in the community you are, the more you realize that like, it's, we're all a degree of separation, maybe two from each other, right? And, and uh, trust and integrity, reputation is everything. And so if you hire a property manager that are not good, um, or hopefully you have enough networking connections to ask somebody in the area that you know is already investing or somebody that you know that's already investing in that you know market or whatnot, who, who their team is, and then kind of you know uh, utilize that. But I'll tell you, reputation is definitely everything, but I think it's easier today to buy sight and seeing than it was five years ago. 100%, absolutely. Like the virtual um, you know, showings. We actually bought our, our house that we live in here virtually and that was terrifying because we had to live in it and this was going to be you know where we're spending the next decade of our lives and so it was uh i definitely once i shifted my mindset uh and became more investor focused i don't need to see the properties as long as i can get that home inspection report google maps is amazing too because it can give you a realistic uh, overview of that property if it's within that year or two, because of course the pictures are always the nicest angles possible and they never show the neighbors. And so I'll walk down the street with Google Maps for the properties that I'm looking at, do the bird's eye view, look at the roof. That's a great tip because like you don't want to be in like maybe right in front across the street of like, I don't know, I don't know, just a liquor store where everyone's yeah. hanging out with like or a bar or something and it's going to be loud. So that's a great, great tip to just be able to you know, virtually walk the, uh, the neighborhood, uh, or you get your, you know, your realtor to do a FaceTime with you or, or whatnot, and then you can kind of go, but it is so important. Yeah. Cause then you get the feel of, you know, where everything is and, and, you know, like whether oh, yeah. it's for you or, or for a tenant too. Right. Or if the street is super busy, like you could be on a, almost a highway. <laughs> well, many things that I find with Google maps and there was a property I was looking at and I did Google Maps and then there was a bunch of like kids sitting on this ledge that's like right on the property hanging out. And you can just tell that this is like a hangout zone. And so I walked away from it because I was like, I don't feel like dealing with that kind of stuff. And so for sure, you can see a lot of things and it's the realistic, unfiltered image. Nobody knows when the car's coming. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So the next part of the podcast is the lightning round. Victoria, I'm going to ask you five questions that every guest gets the same ones. And you're going to give me the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Complete Properties. If you need a great property manager to help you in the Niagara, Hamilton, and Burlington markets, reach out to Margaret Cameron at 905-920-7886. She can also be reached at margaret at completepminc.com via email or the website completepropertiesinc.com. All right, question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book? 
Uh, who not how that and I like I don't even know if it's specific real estate so much, but who not how like changed the way I approach things. It's like helping me outsource and then, you know, maximize performance. So I tell everybody that I can uh, think of. It is a great, great book all about delegation, taking your time back. (laughs) Awesome. Number two, this doesn't have to be real estate related, but do you have a favorite podcast? Other than the right club? I love uh, Tom Bilyeu, not real estate related. So if I'll just like put out some content there, because I think like he really approaches uh, that health and fitness and just like wellness mindset and uh, it's super motivating to listen to him. All right. Very good. I'll check that one out. Number three, what do you do for fun aside from your school and real estate investing? Fitness. That like is a really big part of uh, my life, my family's life. It's uh, quality time that we spend together, whether it's like we have this garage gym that we spend a lot of time in or it's outside, but anything that's active and uh, gets the heart rate going. Very cool. I feel like Ottawa is a good spot for that, right? Like you've got like the skating, like, you know, you've got like, I, I see all these like the fat bikes everywhere. <laughs> you don't see those in Toronto that much. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ottawa is amazing. I was really apprehensive coming here, just leaving Nova Scotia and that culture and, you know, that real, it was just so down home and nice and thinking about coming out to Ottawa, but I am really happy here. We've got so many opportunities and activities. There's no shortage. So yeah, we're really happy. Very cool. Number four, if you lost all of your money, all your assets, all your real estate tomorrow, how would you start again? Other people's money. Yeah. I'm learning a lot about that creative financing. So either I would be pitching vendor takebacks to all the sellers or hitting up like family members that have appreciation in their house. And uh, yeah, I would get in that way. And I would of course pay everybody back, but that would be how I would get in for sure. And speaking of which, because I, I probably should have asked you this while we were doing the interview, but are you like self-financing all of these still? Like, or are you using joint venture partners or private lenders or are you going the traditional route? Yeah, I'm kind of doing all of it now, which is what has been just so um, eye-opening for me is the opportunities because I did not know. And that's why I've been so slow to grow up until this year because I didn't understand, but I've done uh, joint ventures now um, where I'm the managing partner and I'm bringing in financial partners, um, vendor takebacks now where I can get the sellers even just for the down payment. Um, I had, had some good conversations with mortgage brokers and credit unions and um, also access to private funds. So I was in a jam for a property that I wanted to close on and then uh, found out that I had access to quite a bit. So yeah, I'm uh, now just moving forward using all of the resources. All right. Very cool. And last question, number five, if somebody has $50,000, they want to get started, how would you recommend that they spend that money? I would take a portion of that money on um, educating yourself. So whether or not if you want to get a coach or somebody that uh, can help you fast track on that knowledge piece. And then of course, I would just be out there like hitting the pavement, analyzing deals every single day, putting in offers, you know, once a week is what I tell people, put those offers in and then uh, yeah, lock in that deal. 
Very cool. Thank you for playing our lightning round. I do have one question. I'm just curious because you mentioned locking in deals and making offers. Like what's your ratio? Like if, if somebody was listening and you wanted to say, make this amount of offers to get the one deal, what do you think your ratios are in, you know, at where you're looking right now? I'm at uh, 10 now for the month of January and uh, it's a private one. So, and it's on market ones and, you know, they're not, I don't go outrageously low. I mean, there's some people that will just offer ridiculous, but I try very hard to be creative and have that conversation and that open dialogue, but I'm putting on at least one offer a week at minimum. And you're getting, so out of 10 offers, you get one deal? confirmed give or take uh talk to me in a couple of hours (laughs) i think think that's like the ratio and i mean obviously it can differ but like this is just to say guys go out there and start making offers because you're not going to get the first one most likely anyways i think the ratio is somewhere around the the 10 to 1 mark maybe it can be more right now yeah and like you know sometimes it's earlier and sometimes it's not and uh because i am looking for those good deals and like you know, I'll just quickly uh, wrap up with like this one right now that I'm negotiating with, I gave three different offers for this seller. And I've been told that this seller does not negotiate with anybody. And then he came back and he countered. And so we've now been like three days of back and forth. And so the realtor was just like, I can't believe it. But, you know, it's really tapping into that you know, using your interpersonal skills, I think is so important. And then being able to relate to the the seller and then finding out what they want and how you can make it work, but being creative about it and being transparent has been very, very helpful for me. So I've been able to, to secure some good deals that way, just by being a little bit outside the box. Yeah, absolutely. That that's great. And can I ask, is that going directly to the listing agent? So my write-up is going directly to the listing agent. I will ask my realtor. I try to do a lot of like non-formal negotiating up front so that we can have that back and forth. And then of course we'll put it down on paper, but I have an email write-up and then I outline everything. If I'm, if I'm pitching a vendor take back, then I'm putting in like the actual interest that would be earned over that period. I'm given all these different options and then I'm offering information about myself and my company and, you know, just to give any kind of assurance. And so it's been very helpful for people that automatically say no to a vendor take back or seller financing because it's easier for them just to say no. But when you can kind of let them know, okay, well, this is actually what you're going to be making that the, the bank would have been receiving this interest. Why don't you receive this interest and we can find a, a lower purchase price for me. And so it's a win-win. Absolutely. Lots of great tips there. Victoria, where can my listeners reach out and find out more? Um, Instagram is where I spend most of my time uh, from the social media standpoint. I we eventually will branch out, but um, my handle is invest real fit. So real as in real estate, R-E-A-L, and then fit for fitness, because those are the two things in my life that I invest quite a bit into. So yeah, come find me. I talk to anybody that uh, wants to say hi and um, it's the best part of this. So amazing. Victoria, thank you so much for all of your great insights and uh, coming on the show. I appreciate it, Sarah. It's so nice to like connect. I've seen a lot of what you do and uh, yeah, I just love like the presence that you have and, and what you're doing for everybody. So thank you. Amazing. Thanks so much. 
Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid, but as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that work. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step -step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.